0: by Radio Sydney for Australian Broadcasting Media. I'm Rupert Guinness, and with me is Aaron S. Lee reporting from the U.S. I'm in sunny Sydney at the moment. We're covering all sports, uh, but particularly cycling this week in the aftermath of the two down under, and as the summer of cycling in Australia continues with the Cadell Evans Road Race in Geelong and then the Herald Sun Tour, and then as the season starts veering up towards Asia and then into the Middle East and back to Europe, we're going to talk about how the season started and uh, and, and what, what's the fallout and of, of the first major races, particularly the The Tour Down Under, Aaron, uh, how are you feeling after the the first couple of races have got up and going? Well, I'm
1: feeling really, really good. Uh, Of course, I didn't have the workload that you did. I I was not on the ground there in Adelaide um, at the Tour Down Under this year. I was here in the U.S. um, And, and of course, I'm feeling a a little envious at the moment. Due to the fact that you said you're in sunny Sydney, as we're enjoying, even though I'm in New Orleans and it's not quite as cold as the eastern coast of the U.S., we're, we're under a pretty big cold snap uh, over this last week. Uh, I don't know if you've seen that over the news. So it's been a bit chilly, and I'm a bit bundled up at the moment. But uh, I'm glad you're you're nice and, and enjoying the summer there in Sydney. But
0: yeah, yeah, look, it's uh, well. I'm saying in Sydney, it's been nice. I mean, down uh, in Victoria, where uh, the Cadell Evans Road races and uh, and also where the Sun will be, they've had some pretty bad weather. They had floods down there in uh, Geelong, and uh, you know my, what I've last heard is that the uh, the floods are going to abate. But you sort of wonder what the debris on the road will be like. But I guess we'll hear uh, the. Full out of that um, next week after the the race is held. Uh, while we're at it, while well, we're talking about uh, cross-global uh, connections and everything, I guess we should spare a thought over in Spain where the uh, um, uh, giant Alperson team um, and they had that horrific uh, accident where uh, six of their riders were struck in Alicante by a car, a woman driving the uh, the car on the wrong side of the road and, uh, she, and uh, she's been charged but uh, you, the courts will deal with that case but I think four most for the uh, riders such as De- John deghamcole who uh, who was taken to hospital and a couple of a number of others were taken to hospital, uh, a very serious crash. Uh, obviously it could have been a lot lot worse, so be grateful for that, but um, I guess uh, certainly wish them all the best with their recovery, and not those just those guys, but the other members of the giant Alperson team, who I know were pretty shocked by it all here in Australia.
1: Well I no, even talking to rider hagent he said just the day after that, it, it really, you know, it affects everyone in the pro peloton when they hear news like that. Uh, it's it reminds them that everyone's vulnerable, and that you know what, it is. It's pro cycling. It is a sport. It is a, a, a bit of a game, but it also shows that these guys do take their lives uh, on the line when they go out there, not only to race, but when they're out there training on the road as well. And for everyone to be a little bit more aware of each other, both cyclists and motorists. I know that's a hot debate, it's a hot button to push, but for for everyone, to just to be a little bit more aware and a little bit more of
0: each other yeah it wasn't the situation wasn't too dissimilar to uh, what happened to Amy Gillette uh, a number of years back and I know some people were mentioning that and that, that's obviously the uh, the drastic uh, um, uh, well, difference of how of, of the fallout of what could have what, what could have happened uh, as I said fortunately it wasn't worse than what it was but it certainly was still serious and uh, I guess we use this moment we usually say at the end of the show stay safe out there a meter matters uh, it's probably worth just mentioning that now early in the show stay safe meter matters and as you said Aaron everyone just look out for each other whether you're in a car or you're know, on a bike just be safe oh
1: absolutely absolutely well said
0: Ru. well look uh, we got the show off to a bit of a running start there how about uh, we'll have a listen to some of your music Aaron and then we'll come back and then we'll have a little bit of a, a review of the two down under to so talk about fallouts obviously Australia did very well there but listen listen to some music and then we'll chat all things good and bad about the two down under 216 You're listening to What A Ride and I'm Rupert Guinness and with me on the line is my co-host Aaron S. Lee from the United States. Aaron, uh, nice bit of music as always to get the show into a right sort of groove. Um, I mean, I'm in the mood. I'm in the mood. But uh, tell me, uh, you know, the two down under was an interesting race uh, for many reasons. There was a lot of talk before the race that uh, there weren't the big name stars like a Chris Froome or Alberto Contador or uh, Alejandro Valverde or whatever. Um, but uh, the race unfolded, and uh, for Australia, it was a, a huge success for the Australian riders. Uh, Simon Gerrans' record fourth. Overall victory, we saw Richie Port win on Mulunga Hill for the third successive year. Uh, every stage was won by an Australian. Four of those stages were won by Orica GreenEdge, of, uh, for whom Gerrans rides for. Uh, we saw, uh, um, you know, Guerin's win, Port second. Um, Sergio Hernao from uh, Colombia was third. But in fourth place was a great young rider coming up, Jay McCarthy. And I think the only uh, spoils for the foreign riders was the team's classification. Um, and uh which went to cannondale and uh also yeah as i said sergio Henao who got uh, the king of the mountains uh jersey uh aaron i have gotta ask you i mean a lot of people were saying that as successful as the race was for australia um do you think that that success in the form of the australian riders could deter the foreign riders from wanting to come down under and and give this race a crack
1: well you you kind of have to question that don't you rube because we you know, obviously the Tour de San Luis had uh, Quintana, Nibale, uh Sagan, and of course... Um you know, in previous years at the Tour Down Under, we've had riders, sprinters such as Andre Greipel or Marcel Kittle, uh, on hand. None of those riders were here at the Tour Down Under this year. And obviously, you mentioned that the, the race was completely dominated by the Australians. It was a great race, though, nonetheless, especially if you were an Australian fan. But the riders that won, the guys like Richie Port and Simon Gerrans, as you mentioned, and, of course, Caleb and, and, and young Jay McCarthy, these are see, these are still some of the best riders in the world. And they pack a lot of star power.
0: Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's not like they're not just Heffron Park heroes, are they? No, not at all. Now, the um, you know, you you obviously Caleb uh, Ewan's performance was uh, was stunning in its own way because uh, obviously there was a lot of pressure on uh, an expectation on Caleb to uh, to come up with the goods and win uh, a World Tour race. He got. You know, he obviously had a great summer with the Criterium Series and uh, he won the National Criterium Championship. Uh, and then he uh, got that win in the Peoples Down Under Classic, the Criterium in Adelaide, two days before the TDU began. But then with all that, there was all this expectation of whether he can actually do it on a road stage at World Tour level. OK, he won a stage of the... Tour of Spain last year but this was on his home turf uh, and the expectation was massive and we saw how well he won um, that race uh, stage one and in stage six he, w- he's, he smashed it he absolutely smashed it the, the uh, stage into Adelaide on the last day he would have won by about three lengths so it was almost like two races and and in his position he's so low and aerodynamic uh, on, on the bike um, you know the, the the hype about the guy is is you know he's matching the hype very much so, I think.
1: You know, Rube, seeing some of the images come back and, of course, watching it on television, but some of the still images of Caleb so low on that top two, tube and over the stem and handlebars, it, it, it's, it's almost he's riding below the bike, it seems. But he is, he is an immense talent. But again, we still haven't... Really seen him, at least in 2016, we haven't seen him compete against some of those world heavyweights, so to speak. And It'll be interesting to see. That was where I thought the race really lacked, was in the sprinter field. Now, I know we obviously had guys like uh, Mark Winshaw uh, available. We had uh, Walter Whipper, who won stage six, who's moved up from Pack. He's a Cannondale Neopro. You mentioned Cannondale earlier. Um, Marco Komp, who's made his move back uh, to World Tour riding with Lamprey and Minrita. Uh, just... He, but he didn't have a lot of, of, of world-class sprinters as competition on those races. So it'll be interesting to see just exactly how well he'll continue to do um, as the year progresses. But so far, you got to like what you see. Seven wins... In
0: the month of January. Yeah, exactly, and uh, I think we, it's going to be interesting to see. I don't think he's going to be doing Torino Adriatico this year, and that's probably where he'll come up against someone like Cavendish. Um, obviously, he's down to meet Cavendish at the Cadell race, but uh, we're talking at a you know at a, at a higher level race. And um, and I was doing my maths. Now I'm not very good with maths, but my understanding is that the one first time we'll actually probably get to see, say, uh, uh, Caleb up against a full field of. Of uh, all the big sprinters, I mean, he's he's raced against all the b- top sprinters, you know, one on one and in various races. But where we'll get, you know, all the guys, the uh, griples and all those other big, strong sprinters, all at once, will probably be in the Giro d'Italia. So that's going to be uh, a massive. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be really excited when that uh, first stage of the Giro comes through and those sprinters' teams all start fighting and jostling for position. It's going to be a great uh, start to that Giro. I can't wait till it comes. Obviously, we've got a lot of time before that happens with classics and. Everything everything but uh uh yeah i'm really looking forward to that
1: well you know obviously we've seen uh caleb race against kittle and and in the past the people's choice classic um what i think two years ago and he came in third he showed that he could go uh elbow to elbow with these guys we haven't seen him yet compete against them and take the win and i think that's where it's going to be intriguing to see as you say at the giro if not before
0: yeah and that's what I was having a chat to Mark Renshaw obviously who um, uh, on the dimension data team and uh, with, with and he's going to be writing again for Mark Cavendish but he said you know that the big danger for Caleb will be uh, up against those big sprinters because he said you know what one of his assets is his small size but he said uh, big guys can move small guys out of the way pretty easily so um, I guess uh, you know I think Caleb won't be shy about uh, taking them on though but uh, really looking forward to it, uh, look you You're listening to What A Ride with Rupert Guinness and Aaron S. Lee. We're going to take a little break now, a little bit of music again, and we're going to come back still talk to it and under. Um, I think we'd love to talk a little bit about about Gerrans' win and how Oracle GreenEdge uh, uh, raced their race and, and as to how the other teams tried to take them on but were unable to. i so- Rupert Guinness and Aaron S. Lee and we're talking two down under 216 and the fallout and uh, we've spoken about sprinters uh, but we have mentioned about uh, Simon Gerrans getting a record fourth win. Simon Gerrans, who rides for the Oracle Green Edge team. Aaron there was a point there though we thought that our, uh, that not Aaron's season... <laughs> Simon's season was going to continue on as it did last year when he had seven crashes and missed out uh, on a large part of the season because he was sidelined through injury. Now, on the stage to Sterling in the two down under, he came a cropper again. Um, One of the riders went, fell down in front of uh, Darryl Impey, his lead-out man, and Simon had nowhere else to go but over the handlebars and on top of Darryl Impey and uh, land on his knee. Now, fortunately, that... Um, while that crash probably cost him the stage win to Sterling, It didn't uh, put him out of the race, and he was able to back that up with back-to-back stage wins to get the race lead, and finally he managed to pull off a record fourth win. Aaron, this guy, Simon Gerrans, he continues to astound us, doesn't he, with his resilience and also his precision to, to, uh, to still train and peak to reach a peak for any, every race. It's just been like accidents like last year just crawled what possibly could have been a great season.
1: Well, you know, you're absolutely right. Of course, you mentioned stage, too. Of course, his misfortune was uh, young Australian uh, Jay McCarthy's uh, good fortune and that he was able to, to, to claim that and, and slide into the leader's jersey and lift that off Caleb Ewan from the day before. Um, that was just a fantastic uh, effort by McCarthy. But then you look at you look at Simon and you're right. You're thinking, oh, is it is it a repeat of 2015? But then you see him, uh, you know, the very next day, I, you, you questioned like, obviously he's found the fountain of youth. I didn't get a chance to see him up close this year at the Nationals and the Tour Down Under like you have. But each year he seems to look better and better and ride better and better. And, and, and then you also look at the team. His team was really primed and ready for this. The, the, the Tour Down Under means a lot. It means a lot to him. It means a lot to the team. Um, just a, an amazing performance. He just The, the, the man seemingly defies age.
0: Yeah, he certainly does, and uh, I think, you know, we mentioned Daryl Impey, he's lead-out guy. I mean, uh, Daryl also had a, a, you know, terrific two-down-under, not just in helping uh, Simon Gerrans, but also uh, Caleb Ewan. I mean, uh, you know, Daryl Impey is really becoming one of those sort of must-have riders to have on your team, and fortunately for Orica Greenedge, he is on their team. And I think, and it, you know, we spoke about, the, you know, the domination of uh, Orica Edge in the race, and they really were the dominant team, but as you said, you know, it was interesting seeing the uh, the lime green of Cannondale there. Uh, just a quick word though about Sky who came into the race uh, you know uh, talking about uh, Garrett Thomas being their main card uh, or people talking about Thomas uh, Garrett uh, Thomas being their main card but Sergio Hanau who, uh, Colombian climber who finished third overall and got the King of the Mountains jersey. Obviously he was the form rider for them and uh, as we saw in that last stage he tried to go with Richie Portman. Richie went with 1.1k to go but uh, uh, I'm sure we'll see more of him Hour later this year, but uh, you know, so it's not like you know, Oracle Greeners just had a, were gifted at uh, the race, were they? I mean, they had to fight and they had to take that domination and assert themselves because other teams were trying to throw what ammunition they had against them,
1: and, that was, and especially BMC.
0: Exactly, and we saw there, you know, and we saw some fantastic riding where, where uh, well, BMC rode strongly, but first Rowan Dennis, the defending champion, he was their designated leader, and Richie Port sacrificed his early opportunities, particularly on the corkscrew climb, uh, to try and help Rowan, but then, you know what happened the night before? For the, um, uh, the last day or well, the night, Roman started, his legs weren't up for it towards the end, and he uh, sacrificed his chances to help Richie Port. So that was pretty uh, amazing to see a team sort of switch their, their priorities but not lose the race and uh, certainly they could have um, come out of it with nothing to show for it but in the end Richie Port not only got that stage win but he managed to uh, finish second overall at a meagre nine seconds and when you think that he lost eight seconds Aaron the day before when there was a split coming into the finish it could have been one second separating Gerrins and Port.
1: Well you gotta love how Richie was downplaying his form (laughs) all throughout January through the Nationals (laughs) and from from the start of the Tour Down Under and then he just completely as he has done the three years in a row he He's completely dominated uh, Willunga Hill And we're great to see And you're right You know you- you're spot on, Rupa, regarding the, the teamwork between Richie and Rowan. It's great, and it starts to make me think, we've discussed this in the past, I've kind of doubted uh, what kind of chemistry and, and the strategy of having two supposed uh, Grand Tour captains at the Tour de France this year with Richie and American T.J. Van But I'll tell you what, if they can possess this kind of teamwork and chemistry and a one-two punch that BMC showed at the Tour Down Under with Port and Dennis, I'm excited.
0: Yeah, well, look, uh, you know, we haven't mentioned it yet, but uh, you know, coming up on the show, we've got as one of our special guests, Alan Piper, the sport manager for BMC. He's well known in Australian cycling circles, but uh, he um, he's, he's a very interesting guy, and he uh, in this interview, we'll listen to it a bit later. But uh, in the interview, he talks about how well Rowan and Richie worked together, how they plotted this plan, which in the end got Richie into second overall and with his stage win. But he also said, just with a view to the future, that now Richie has in Rowan Dennis, an absolute number one lieutenant for the future, not just uh, in, in next week's races or whatever. He's talking about longer term and possibly even in the Grand Tour. So, but uh, enough of me talking about Alan Piper. We can listen to Alan Piper in a bit a bit later. But um, just w- w- a quick question, uh, Aaron: w- w- um, What? Did, w- who? Anyone else stood out for you in, in the race that sort of uh, we might have missed in in our little review here? Well, I've got to I've got to go. You know, we were
1: speaking of Cannondale. We're talking mm. the lime green. I've got to go with the Canadian, Michael Woods. Uh, you know, and, and as a matter of fact, the entire Cannondale team. You know, Michael Woods, Neo Pro, uh, first year, making his World Tour debut. Also, Patrick bevan uh, who we've talked about in the past. We've covered with uh, former Avanti rider, uh, the reigning uh, New Zealand national time trial champion, as of a few weeks ago. Um, He'll making his debut, finishing sixth. On the I think uh, sixth on the Sterling stage, and then also uh, finishing in the top ten, finishing tenth overall on GC with teammate Woods at fifth overall. Um, and then also, of course, they, they've acquired Neo Pro and Sprinter uh, Walter Whippet, one of Bevan's rivals from uh, Draft Pack um, last year. So, in a stage six winner from last year, as we had mentioned, there's a lot of there's a lot of talent on that team, including Simon Clark, which I'd like to find out from you. Where was Simon this week? Did you talk to him? Um, where was he? We didn't see him on the results, but I do know firsthand from the guys at Cannondale that he was instrumental. On placing these young neopros in the right position and yep. getting them where they need to be and that he was a real road captain and they just they sang his praises all week long but this michael woods an amazing rider and uh, one to watch for
0: yeah certainly uh it's it's uh, i love these sort of stories of uh, people coming from other sports into cycling and then uh, you know really exciting people by uh, showing what they've got. This is their raw potential, you know. And and when, wait till they start to harness it. And, and now, you know, Michael Woods is going to be so focused on it. And he's not. He's not. You know, he backs himself, doesn't he? He, he has so much enthusiasm, and he backs himself. And uh, uh, you know, you still sort of feel you're a long way from seeing the best of Michael Woods. Well,
1: you know, you're absolutely right. Of course, you mentioned a crossover sport. Him coming from I think middle distance running. Is that correct? Ru?
0: That's right. Yeah, it's 15, oh, 1,600 meters, uh, uh, or the mile basically. And I think I'm pretty. sure Sure, he's done a sub four minute mile, but uh, you know, um, you know, uh, anyway, around about there. But he was obviously a very good runner.
1: No, absolutely. And, and, and talking to Michael, and I forget how old is he. Is he uh, what is he? Twenty nine?
0: I think twenty nine. I've written twenty nine in the story, so uh, I guess we better <laughs> take it as fact.
1: Okay. Okay, well, I won't go to I won't go to pro cycling stats and check right now, but I think he was 29. I know when talking to him uh, this week for a piece uh, on Canadian Cycling Magazine, I talked to him. I think it was it was right after the second or third stage, and he had mentioned that uh, you know I, I said. Dude, dude, what were you ever in doubt that maybe this wasn't going to happen? He said, maybe three or four years ago, he thought that maybe the opportunity to go world tour had passed him by, but uh, that he always believed that he would get there, and that he was just really enjoying the moment because here he was surrounded by some of the very cyclists that he, you know, that he, he had idolized and that he had dreamed that one day he could perhaps ride with. And that was a to me that really touches me because it's you actually get to see these athletes living their dream.
0: Yeah, well, look, speaking of dreams, I think it's about time we have a little bit of a break, Aaron. Uh, uh, we listen to some more music. we listen to What A Ride. But when we come back after this uh, next song, we're going to, uh, as I said, we're going to listen to Alan Piper and to see how he felt about, not just about uh, how BMC rode, but also about how the future of the two-down understands with the Aussie domination. A lot of what we've already been talking about, but Alan Piper, he's the man. He's he's a real expert. He knows his stuff, but... uh, Stay tuned and come back after the break, but you're listening to What A Ride. what a ride yes with Aaron S Lee and myself Rupert Guinness Aaron's over in the states and I'm in uh, here in sunny Sydney Australia we're talking about the 2 Down Under the fallout of uh, the first world tour event of the year the 2 Down Under is the only Australian event uh, or the only event which is uh, an Australian event which is on the world tour as always, there's talk about the future of the race, where it stands, where it's good, where it's not so good, where it can improve, what the riders think about it, what they don't think about. Anyway, as we said before the break, we're going to talk to Alan Piper, who's the sport manager of the uh, US BMC team, for whom Rowan Dennis and fellow Australian Richie Port ride for. Alan Piper, he's a, for those who don't know him, he's a, a long time personality of the sport, a former professional on the old Peugeot uh, team in the uh, mid early 80s, then he went on to Panasonic, Uh, he was a teammate of uh, Phil Anderson's there and uh, then he rode for teams like Tulip uh, and he's been living in Belgium all his life, he's almost part Belgian I'd say and certainly uh, he knows a thing or two about sport and where events stand around the world he's also a great sports director Uh, there's not much more uh, well he's just good at so many things but anyway we spoke to alan piper um but before we and listen to alan piper aaron what's 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 your feeling about alan piper and what he uh, contributes to the sport
1: well, i tell you it's always a great a great opportunity when you get a chance to, to sit down and, and and pick the brain of alan piper guys like rowan dennis and, and richie fort now are they're very lucky to have a guy like Alan Piper to bounce ideas off of and to learn from. And I'm expecting some really good things by both riders this year because of him.
0: You're dead on there, dead on Aaron. That's what I'm expecting too. So, enough of us talking about Alan Piper. Let's hit listen to the man himself. Uh, and I hope you enjoy his insights into the Tudon Under, its future, and also a bit more about Rowan Dennis and Richie Port. Well, first up, you know, with the six, Aussie yeah. success here of the two Under three stages and all but the teams and um, climbers jersey. Has this race become sort of out of reach for the European guys and could that deter European riders from wanting to come here? For all the Aussies along, all the and fans
2: and I don't think it could it will deter them from coming because uh, you know it's good weather, it's good training ground, it's a good way to start your season. It's more difficult for the for the Europeans to come here in good shape. Uh, But I think the biggest thing is motivation and not the fact that they're not motivated for the Tour Down Under, but the fact that this is an Australian home race very much the same as the French riding their own home races or the Belgians riding their own home races and that's a big motivating factor for a lot of riders when they're, when they're riding their own home races they're, they're, they're motivated, they, they, they focus on those races and they peak for those races and that's probably, in, in every country this happens, at, you know, the, the country that's hosting the race has their riders stand out, I won't say as much as at this race because I think this, this year's been quite unique in the Australian sense. Unique um, because of the success is unique or...? Yeah, sure. success is unique, I mean, uh, actually, you know, Green, Orica Green Edge has been a dominating force the whole week from the Criterium mm-hmm. to the Criterium, I mean, they've won nearly everything in, be, in between, you know, apart from uh, uh, Richie Port winning on Mulanga, so, you know, that gives it another Australian flavour as well.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, just bearing on mind rich report, were you surprised with the form he had in Mulunga, or mm-hmm. is it what you expected?
3: Was, it, was that a motivating? Was, was he
0: riding on motivation because it's Mulunga Hill, because he's won there twice before, or was it a yeah. level of performance that he was reaching, nearing?
2: Well, firstly, you know, Richie's only been in our team a couple of months, uh, been at one training camp, and. You know, at the end of last year, didn't ride so much with an injury, and and, and had a sort of a, a late start to training, so the expectation wasn't quite as high of you know where he was going to be, and 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 we backed Rowan from the start as as past winner and coming from Adelaide, and um, and then you know it sorted itself out, on Willunga and Richie won, but I think you know him winning on Willunga was, I won't say a surprise, but uh, at the same time. Uh, <clears throat> his level of confidence surprised me you know that he would go into that stage and say I, I can win this tomorrow you know and uh and um i think you know you don't see that very often in a rider who has that uh, a certain cockiness to say you know i'm going to do this you know mm-hmm. he was already giving me the thumbs up at 100 kilometers to go and i was thinking is he <laughs> saying hello to me or is, is he sure he's going to win today i mean and, you know it's not many writers can sort of be that cocky and pull it off as well, you know. Yeah, yeah. you, you
0: happier happy to see that?
2: And oh, not, yes. It's be a 100%. Yeah, because, you know, you, you've got to. And as, as we talked this week, you know, he's been in great teams before, but not essentially as the leader in, you know, a grand tour. So, uh, him building his squad around him and getting that confidence uh, of them to ride for him uh, comes also from that cockiness and, and, and his leadership, you know.
0: I guess now he uh, focuses on... He stays here until February 12, just training in Tassie. Yep. And
2: builds up to Paris-Nice. He's going, doing Oman on the way back. Oman, Oman yes. From, uh, from Australia to Europe, so that'll be sort of a good stop for him. Yeah. And then back to Paris-Nice and, and a build-up. But, um, you know, we, he started here and, and you know... Less in less shape than he was last year, mm-hmm. but obviously he's come out pretty good because he's only nine seconds behind. But we do want to try and stagger him a little bit. It's a long way to the Tour de France, yep. especially if you're in great shape in January.
0: Just last year, Rowan obviously on the longest stage, he, he put his hand up and said to Richard "He hasn't got the legs today." Was that, was that a, uh, a concern that he didn't have the legs, and that that was just a, uh, an aberration?
2: No, it was, it was a concern he didn't have the legs already the day before, or, or not, let's, let's put it this way, he felt the, the warm breath of Hanau down his neck, <laughs> and he said, look, he's probably going to pass me in the GC anyway, so why don't we come up with a plan, and it was actually Re- Rowan's plan to do it that way. Uh, we sat in the room the night before with Rowan and Richie and discussed it, and then we did, ran it past the rest of the team the next morning the, before the Wollongong stage about what the boys wanted to do, and everyone was behind it. Everyone thought it was a good plan, you know, we, we, with the with the possibility that we're going to end up with absolutely nothing, yeah. that he might be blown out of the water, Richie mightn't pull it off, and we'd have empty hands after a week, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, I think I think the the, the the motivating factor of Rowan doing that on Saturday was also because Richie sacrificed for him on Corks Group, more or less waiting for him yeah, yeah, and looking yeah. after Rowan, who was the designated leader. And for, for me, that was the big winning situation of this week, that Richie did that, and then Rowan was prepared to sacrifice his place for Richie Saturday. Mm-hmm. Now we move into the rest of the races, the rest of the season, and mm-hmm. Richie's going to have, have an absolute number one lieutenant moving forwards. Yeah, in Rowan. Yeah. Yeah, that's great for a long-term point of view. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Rupert Guinness and Aaron S. Lee. We just listened uh, before the break uh, to Alan Piper, the sports manager of the BMC team. I uh, hope you enjoyed what he said. I certainly uh, loved hearing it again. Um, he's the sort of guy you could just sit there and talk all day. But we're talking about different personalities in the 2 Down Under this year, and one of whom that uh, Aaron knows as well is the former rower, Sean Lake. Now, Sean Lake made his World Tour debut by riding for the UniSA Australia national team, He managed to get into that team... Through his uh, terrific performances at the national road championships, where he got third in the men's elite time trial at Buninyong uh, on a podium which included the winner Rowan Dennis and his Australian teammate Richie Port, so that's some some caliber uh, up there on the podium there. Sean Lake is a former rower, as I said, uh, he was a lightweight rower. Three times he represented Australia in the under 23 World Championships. He had some struggles getting down to weight, um, uh, so he took to row- to cycling, uh, which a lot of rowers do do, because it's part of their training as well. Um, you know, I wrote a story for the Sydney Morning Herald uh, on Sean on Lake, but Aaron, uh, you've written, you wrote a very nice uh, feature on him uh, just recently yourself. Uh, what, what are your imperson- impressions of uh, Sean and what he can do?
1: Yeah, I was able to catch up with him right after the his, his podium finish there for the individual time trial at the uh, Australian Road Nationals and uh, for Eurosport. And, and what a great kid. Um, again, you mentioned crossover uh, sports star. It seems to be something we've got a lot in common with a lot of the athletes that we're talking about today. Jay McCarthy and, and Richie Port, former triathletes. Uh, we mentioned uh, Michael Woods, former middle distance runner. Uh, Cadell Evans. We mentioned Ryder Hazendahl even, both former mountain bike champions. Uh, and, and obviously to see Sean Lake with an amazing engine uh, come over from, I believe it was African Wildlife Safari's team last year. But what an amazing kid with a lot of power. And in talking to Andrew Christie-John the team uh, owner and sports director, you know, the, the, this, is, this could be one of the best that's coming out of that lot that includes guys like Richie Port, um, Campbell Flakemore, Jack uh, Hague, uh, Nathan Haas, Nathan Earl, Will Clark, the, the, the list goes on. But this guy is the, could be the real deal
0: yeah certainly, and uh you know also credit to his coach mark fenner who's he's been uh, coaching the last few months, so he's certainly managed to to turn around that engine pretty well, hasn't he? Hey,
1: you know, you gotta love Mark Fenner if you spend a little time with him at any time. Of course, he's uh he's a great guy, he spent a lot of time with British cycling before he came over to, to Australia. He owns uh, the uh, FTP training there in Nowra along with the Watts Factory. And of course, on any given day in the off season, you can go there and you'll see a, you'll see the Avanti racing team there, but you'll also see guys like steel von Hoff or, or Nathan Earle or those guys training there as well. There's a lot of respect and a lot of credibility goes in with, with with uh, Mark Finner, and I'll tell you, I think I think even Brody O'Donnell, who who took the women's hour record, even gave him credit as well. I'm not sure of the relationship there, but obviously there's a, a coaching connection there. And of course, Mark Finner, I have to laugh because every time I'm around, he's a very excited guy, even more so than me, and his, his famous word is frothing. He's always frothing, and I love that word, and I try to work it in as many times as I can uh, throughout the course of a day, and I always think about uh, Finns.
0: Well listen, uh, at the 2 Down Under I caught up with Sean Lake just actually the day before the race started and um, just spoke to him about his uh, you know, his transition into uh, cycling from rowing also what he was hoping for in the race Okay, we did this interview before the race started but the day after, stage 1 the first breakaway of the day, he went straight from the gun in true Uni SA Australia, Dave Sanders style, and uh, he stayed away for uh, all but the last uh, few few kilometres of the stage. And uh, he went away with a four-man break, then it came down to three and two, and then he was on his own for like uh, 90 kilometres uh, on his own. And um, that was a fantastic way for him to sort of uh, make a, a, a debut in a World Tour race. So I, I had a chat with uh, Sean, and uh, this is what he had to say. About him, his hopes, his life, uh, why he gave up rowing, and where he sees uh, his place in the world of cycling. Nationals, like, Nationals, right? right? And that podium time trial it was, uh, you know, it's been what two weeks now. Have you had time to sort of absorb your feet that day? I know at the time you were pretty thrilled. But...
4: Yeah, I think, um, well, I guess getting selected into the UniSA team um, was something as well to absorb. And uh, see, so, yeah, I'd say both of those things are actually still sinking in. And, um, yeah, I guess that realisation from that time trial that um, I reckon I do have a shot against these big guys. So. Yeah,
0: yeah. In the road race, you had a good race, though, too, didn't you? You were
4: pretty happy with how you went? Yeah, I, I, was, I was fairly happy with the road race, um, sort of managing to get the, the job done for the team, stay up the front of the road. Um, it got a little bit complicated with uh, Bobridge going, and the um, the Green Edge guys in the break, which we were following, uh, meant it sort of missed the race a little bit. But it was still, still, um, still quite happy with that performance.
0: And uh, tell me, with your, uh, when you were rowing, when did you when did you stop rowing and go
4: into cycling? Um, so I stopped rowing. I think it was about um, just over two years ago now, um, and. And, well, I, I stopped rowing just because, um, yeah, I was struggling to make the lightweight ranks, and yeah, yeah. Um, I t- basically took took a year to sort of um, recoup and regenerate my body and and sort of have a crack at heavyweight. But then I ended up um, falling in love with cycling racing, and um, and one thing led to another. Okay.
0: Like a lot of lightweight rows, though, did you were you cycling as part of your training?
4: Yeah, yeah, we, yeah we'd, be, we'd still be doing about 200. 50k's a week of cycling, and one long ride on the weekend with the rowing training.
0: Okay. You went to
4: under 23 Worlds, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. So, so for rowing, I did three years in the under 23 Australian team, yeah. and I uh, spent one year living at the Australian Institute of Sport in Canberra. Okay. And um, and yeah, things, things were looking quite well from the outside, but on the inside I was just struggling to, yeah. to keep it going. Were you
0: were you during that struggle? Were you, were you yeah. uh, still hoping to make the Olympics in lightweight? Oh yeah. Um,
4: yeah, oh absolutely that's that's where I was focused on with rowing. It was get to get to the Olympics one day. Um, and that's where longevity really became an issue because I was although although I reckon I believe I was a chance for the Rio, it was really looking further ahead to twenty twenty where I had my real opportunities in rowing and, and I just knew that I wasn't gonna be able to last that long. Which okay. club did you row for? Them? I was mercantile rowing oh, club.
0: Okay, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe it used to be a lightweight row. Uh, like oh. Many kilos ago, So I'm not yep. about the struggle and, and all okay, that. Okay, so yep. That's the sort of thing you know, like, uh, I mean, because, uh, like, a lot of people don't understand that a small percentage of you know, being in or
3: being out. Yeah.
0: It's one or the other, isn't it? And, yeah. And the whole thing of getting a crew together and getting underweight and all that. So, and one of the, uh, with cycling, obviously, it's a sport where you need to eat. You know, yeah. Is that one of the sort of the, uh, the add-on benefits of cycling? I know you love just riding a bike anyway, but, I mean...
4: Yeah, um, having no weight in cycling is definitely a benefit. Yeah. And, um, you know, although there is always that um, balance to try and hit your best power-to-weight ratio, even though, um, for me, I'm not a pure climber, it is always a factor. But, um, you know, you get, to, you get to be at that level where you are as strong as you can be, yeah. Um, yeah. which is an important factor for me.
0: Bear in mind that, I guess, over the years, in the years to come, the more racing you do on the road, you, your body's propaganda still down,
4: naturally Yeah, um, the t-shirts that I was uh, wearing when I was rowing are a little bit loose on me now so I'll, I really hope that trend keeps going and um, and means I can just be sort of naturally lighter with a bit less muscle mass on top yep. um, and yeah, so over time, long term, yeah, yeah. I'll be able to go up hills quicker. Yeah,
0: for this race, uh, you, know, you've, 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 you know, obviously you've won one draft of Noon-Brewal. You had a great, you know, you've got the Bronzman, time trial, you uh, Elite Road Race, now you're in a World Tour event. It's a massive shift, isn't it? Do you have any sort of uh, expectations? What expectations do you have? Are there any apprehensions? Um.
4: Yeah, well, uh, I guess the the race last night was an opener. These guys these guys race very differently, um, you know, and it is just next level next level fast. But I think um, you know from my experience, I can just um, you know try and try and put myself in that in that early break and you know hope that the peloton never sees it again, or um, as well as that be able to help my teammates for a few of the stages. So I
0: guess you see, obviously, Dave was a guy who's, who's unafraid. of, getting you guys to get into the deep water and just have a crack, you know, that's, that's, that's a
4: great nature of this, of this team. Yeah, absolutely I think a few of the guys have said um, show them all respect but absolutely not fear them and um, I think we'll go out with that in mind and um, definitely take it to them about being aggressive um, riders like me getting in the break and um, some of the other guys giving Steele a great lead out and he's a world class rider mm, yeah. uh,
0: There's a lot of people who still think steel could be in the World Tour achieve
4: No doubt, he's he's a fully class rider, and for men's, we're absolutely stoked to have him at, at Unisa. So, um, yeah. yeah. How, how do you, you know, when,
0: when you were still rowing? Did you sort of follow cycling, like read about it,
4: and watch it? And... Yeah, at, at first I didn't really, but by my last year of rowing, I was sort of getting, a, I guess, a little bit addicted to the, yeah. you know, all the all the little bits of it, the technology, the style, the, and you know, interest in in racing, and um, was definitely. Watching the tour from the hotel room while getting ready for the rowing world. So.
0: Yeah. And how, how do you feel? Uh, I mean, are, are there any, is there a certain sort of rider that, um, that one you admire, admire the most, and maybe is there a rider that you sort of style yourself off a bit? Who you, you think you have similar traits to? Is a good example to follow? Um, yeah. I, I, I guess
4: there's a few. I, it's hard to put a name on, like, because I guess a few of the classic specialists I mm. definitely like to emulate, as well as some. Of those you know time trial specialists, because yeah. um, at the moment I guess I'm sort of you know in beto- uh, around both those fields. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I haven't really thought about one specific rider to, to model on. Would you would you like to turn professional?
0: Absolutely. The, the goal. Yeah. I mean, yeah.
4: absolutely. The goal is to become professional, and you know that's what I'd love to do with my life at this point in time. you know,
0: like obviously time trials, like we had at the nationals, uh, they get noticed. Yeah. Uh, they, I mean, obviously performance is on the. Road, and stages get noticed as well. Yeah. The time trial shows you got the engine, it shows you got the discipline and the focus that that teams, whether it's well sure or pro closely, they, they
4: want a time Yeah, absolutely, and that's one of the reasons why I like love time trials, it's kind of similar to rowing. You know what you put in and control all the factors and um you know you get the performance out from what you put in.
0: Yeah. Now after the time trial did, did Richie or um Rowan have a word to you at all? <laughs> <laughs>
4: yeah, I had a had a good couple of words with um, with Richie and Rowan, um, Richie sort of just asking you know how old I was and having a chat. I think to yeah. to the other guys and um, you know, his manager and stuff, and you know, saying that I've still definitely got an opportunity to make a big career. I think. Okay,
0: and, and I guess this week is obviously uh, a great week, a great stage to be able to sort of showcase what you've got to these teams as well.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, super great opportunity, and um, yeah, I'm fully looking to take it with both hands
0: uh, and just lastly uh, last two questions um, uh the Olympic dream is still there for you though, isn't it?
4: Could be just cycling now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, one day down the track, um, you know, maybe in the time trial or something, that, that would that's still definitely a dream in my head.
0: Do you still miss rowing? When you, when you go past riding on your bike, you may go past a nice, beautiful bit of water. Do you yeah. get that sort of sense of... Um, well,
4: I, I don't miss so much being in the boat, but I do still do a bit of coaching and I think that satisfies it for me. It's a bit nicer being on the other side of the megaphone.
0: Okay. who are you coaching one of the schools or one
4: yeah of the just a, a, year, a school year 10 crew oh, uh, so. year 10 first at St. Catharines School
0: ok ok and is it uh where are they in the year now? To see They'd be training. Are they going to be going to Nationals? Yeah,
4: you? so I literally just came from their rowing camp before um, before coming over here to Adelaide. Really I spent two days at their rowing camp uh, yeah. in the Gambia, yep. Oh, good on you, mate.
0: How's the crew going?
4: Uh, yeah, I think they're actually a hot shot for the uh, the head of school girls this year. Um, okay. It's a small school and um, definitely on the up and yeah. got some talented girls coming through.
0: Okay, when, 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 when's that regatta
4: on? Uh, it's, I think to start them first weekend of
0: March. Okay. Welcome back to Water Ride with Rupert Guinness and Aaron S Lee. You've just been listening to one of the new faces of the uh, Peloton uh, and hopefully he'll be a full-time member of the World Tour Peloton. Uh, but he made his World Tour debut for the UniSA Australia team, Sean Lake. Aaron, uh, when you listen to Sean speak, I mean, you can't help but feel for his enthusiasm. One thing I would like to add myself is throughout the whole race, whenever I saw him, he had this massive grin. You could tell he was just loving it. Uh, he was loving the hurt. He was loving the pain. Um, you know, you could still see the rower in him. Anyway, well, so, uh, how did you feel about listening to Sean Lake there? Oh,
1: it is it is uh, exciting as you said you can you can really even through the audio you can you can feel the excitement that he has you know it, it wasn't unlike talking to Patty bevan throughout the week we talked to some of the neo pros uh, Michael woods and those guys who are all making their world tour debuts or their debuts at a world tour race and, and you know one of the things Um, that it makes me excited about the future of the sport, and it gets me excited as an old dog, uh, covering the sport. It gets me excited about what's to come, and it's great. You know, one of the things about Sean being a a former um rower, you know, there's we made no secret you're a former rower, and 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 just just to kind of help me understand it for the people listening at home that might not be as familiar with the sport, why does rowers? Why do rovers, um, why do they usually cross over to become such excellent bicyclists?
0: Well, there's a couple of reasons. One, one they. Um uh, a lot of the training they do is is, is, on, is in rowing is threshold training. You know, doing uh, efforts of uh, uh, repeated efforts on the water of uh, you know ranging from two hundred and fifty meter pieces to five hundred uh, meter pieces or one thousands. You know, so it's very much uh, you know reaching your threshold very quickly and holding it and then uh, dropping back and then you know doing these repeated efforts. So your, your physiological makeup uh, is is attuned to a, in a similar way as as a, as a track endurance rider is and we've seen a lot of track endurance riders uh, being able to become very good road cyclists so the physiological makeup is is very similar particularly in those formative years uh, for a a rower when you're young and you're developing so uh, your as your physiology develops um, when you're young it becomes a natural sort of thing to be able to uh, to I guess endure pain for a while. Uh, I'm really just make, making it sound much simpler than, than probably what it is. I'm sure Mark Fenner would be horrified in my pretty poor explanation of it but uh, that's how my take on it is I mean you know obviously I'm, I'm, I I wasn't a Sean lake and rowing or anything like that but uh, I used to row lightweight many kilos ago and uh, and then uh, I took to cycling and then uh, got into triathlons and, and I found you know Ironman triathlon was it was a great event for me so uh, in a bizarre way I enjoyed that sort of uh, um, uh, that sort of uh, endurance part of it but uh, I think I think we've seen a lot of rowers switch over because also they do a lot of of uh, cycling as part of their training as sean lake said you know when they were rowing doing all their on water stuff and all their gym stuff they also did about 250 kilometers a week of cycling on top of all their other rowing uh, uh, you know commitments so um it's it's a part of their training as well so and it also helps create team bonding the the, the sense of riding a bike in a group uh, they do it with their crew mates or with other rowers um, and uh, so there was the transition. Really, uh, is almost seamless in many ways.
1: Well, one of the things about it, talking to him and, and talking to Andrew Christie Johnson uh, a few weeks ago, one thing that they both acknowledge is that I think he's a, around 180. 485 centimeters in height and he's about 78 to 80 kilos in weight and that's the one thing they both agreed on that he would have to maybe shave some of that down to get that cycling body uh to help him long term but but right now he he's looking at a third place finish in the individual time trial behind winner rowan dennis and last year's winner richie port that's not bad company for a 24 year old and and for what it's worth he spent a day in the Jersey after stage one at the Tour
0: Down Under. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's actually they were saying how it's, it's probably better at this time of his cycling career to be to be ahead of the peloton than rather in it because uh, in a world tour peloton, because he's obviously still got to develop some of the finesse of, of riding in a bunch. But uh, it's not for me just to, to. I'm not criticising him, but it's just uh, I think with experience he'll he'll adapt to, to life in the in a world tour peloton better. But obviously he's going to have a, a massive season with the National Road Series riding for Avanti Avanti uh, Iceway and I'm sure by the end of this season um, and he's already had what a couple of seasons in, in the NRS um, you know that ex- with time and experience the bike handling skills will will, uh, uh, will be sharpened and, and I'm sure we'll see, uh, we'll be hearing a lot and talking a lot more about him by the end of the year
1: Absolutely.
0: Now uh, we're going to take a little break, uh, you're listening to What A Ride with Rippet Guinness and Aaron S. Lee, when we come back uh, we're going to have to take a little break we'll listen to the music and when we come back Instead of talking about something new, we're gonna talk about something old. Stay tuned. Uh-huh.
5: it's down at the New Amsterdam. It's down at this yellow haired girl, Mr. Jones, strikes up a conversation. With a black haired gonna dance, you know, she dances while his father plays. So, she's suddenly beautiful. I want something beautiful, man, I something.
0: to Water Ride with Rupert Guinness and Aaron S. Lee. Now, before that last bit of music, I said we've been listening to something new about uh, Sean Lake, and we've been listening to something about something old. Well, with old, it means age and time experience. Uh, like a good, full-bodied red wine, bottle of red wine. I've got a bag now, Rupert. I'm talking about one of the uh, elder statesmen of the World Tour Peloton. 2012 Giro d'Italia winner uh canadian cycling star um and when i say old he's not old i'm old i'm 53 but right at the age of 36 i think he's certainly one of the uh elder members of the peloton he's a wise old fox as well and he's part of the uh the two down under memories that uh, aaron and i both uh share and uh you know aaron does his diary for cycling magazine and uh he was, uh, a part, he was there at the Tour down, Under, Tour down Under, Aaron, every night, just coming down to do his diary and sort of engaged with the journalists uh, for a bit of good old Ryder chat. You were in touch with Ryder during the Tour Down Under. How, how did you feel, uh, how he you know, felt about the race and where he was tracking?
1: Well, you know, first of all, uh, let me correct you and say that Ryder's only 35 years old. <laughs> and he just, he just turned 35 December 9th. Just for the record.
0: <laughs> well, there you go. Thank you. Uh, you know, obviously you're going to edit this bit out, aren't you? But uh, no, you probably won't now. Look, put it this way. I just see uh, a lot of wisdom in Ryder, you know. It's, it, well,
1: it's, absolutely. And of course, he's got, a, he's got one hell of a Palmetto uh, to show for it as well. Obviously, the he's a three-time Olympian. Uh, two on the road. One in mountain bike. I believe he, he won a uh, mountain bike world championship as a junior. He competed a long time. Went, you know, back in the era right Afterwards after Cadell had competed one of those, as we mentioned earlier, the mountain bikers turned successful road cyclists. He won the Giro d'Italia in 2012. The first year he visited Australia and the tour down under. Uh, he's now been back to the TDU for the past two seasons. and of course last year, as he said uh, you know earlier in the week uh, that you know it worked out for him last year because he had won a hell of a ride at the Giro in the third week and as well as the Tour de France.
0: Yeah, yeah. And actually, just, just going back to the year he won the Giro, uh, I remember he was, uh, and, and we were having a chat to him, uh, you know, I was having a chat to him um, in in the press room at the TDU just about that year, and, and when he came into the Tour de France after that Giro in the 2012 Tour de France, he was absolutely flying. He looked so comfortable on the bike. He his cadence was beautiful. He, he just looked so much more relaxed. And I thought, gee, this guy really is going to give this tour a shake, you know, uh, uh, you know coming off his Giro win. And unfortunately, he had a, a crash and he crashed out. And um, you got to, f- I mean, he, he would have been probably at the uh, purple patch of his of his career. And uh, well, now we'll never know. But uh, you know what? It's it's when you just go through his uh, career as you just explained it then Aaron, and uh, it really shows his versatility and he's been at the top end of each of those disciplines.
1: Absolutely, of course. He's a uh, you know he he's finished in 2010 fifth on GC at the Tour de France. He's uh you know won the the, the Giro as we mentioned. He's he's won stage races, two stage races at the Giro, two at the Vuelta. Um, he is he is very keen and interested in uh, participating in his fourth Olympiad this year in Rio, uh, which will be of course again as we said third on the road. Um, an amazing athlete. And always fun, always fun to have him at the Tour Down Under and visiting. You mentioned we were doing the, the daily diary again. This year which we started last year with him for Canadian cycling magazine and of course with me not being able to be there this year it was it was great chatting with him over the phone but there were a couple couple of days there were two or three days where I wasn't able to get in touch with him right away and you filled in tremendously for me as a oh you want oh you probably a couple and we're not only able to talk to to Ryder we were able to post some audio interviews along with those stories. And, of course, people can go back on Canadian Cycling Magazine and check those out from last week as well. But it was great. It's always fun talking to Ryder. He's, a, he's an interesting character, isn't
0: he? Oh, he certainly is. He certainly is. And I find that the sort of character, the more time you spend with him, uh, uh, the more interesting he, he gets. And, uh, and I know that uh, me putting my foot in it by calling him old um, is going to come back on me. And Ryder, I know if you're listening to this, you're going to say something like, if... You're old. What am I? Well, yeah, exactly. I'm going to have to I'll live be, with that, I'll my friend. That,
1: I'll be <laughs> tweeting that quote pretty
0: soon. Oh, no, no. Look, we don't, I don't do Twitter, remember, so I'll, I'll never see it. <laughs> now, I think we, we, um, uh, we... I had a chat with Ryder, you know, at the very beginning of the turn two down under. Uh, you've listened to that tape, Aaron. Um, maybe just give our listeners a little bit of a, a lead in as to uh, what he spoke about and what they're about to hear.
1: Well, no, absolutely. Of course, Ryder talks about the upcoming 2016 season and about his goals, which are, again, uh, to compete for a, a, a Giro result and a podium, potentially a win. Again, he's, he's, he's had a lot of success at that race um, in the past. One of the things going into this season was, was the potential that he was going to end his career last year, um, uh, following 2015, with uh, Cannondale uh, Garmin. Um, and, of course, he is stuck around. He signed on with a new team with Trek uh, Sigafrito, which he talked about in the interview. And uh, we get a little bit more about his new motivation. He's, he's a bit fired up. He's excited to race again. And he's not ruling out even, uh, a, you know, another run in 2017. But first and foremost, he wants to get past 2016. And he's got some goals that he wants to achieve.
0: Well, heck, it sounds like there's a lot of new about Ryder Hegerdal. <laughs> Not old at all. We are going to put him straight back into the new faces category. You've heard it here on What a Ride. But uh, now, we'll how about we let's, let's have a listen to what uh, Ryder had to say, uh, rather than listen to what Aaron S. Lee had to say about Ryder, and for me to get my foot out of my mouth. Here's Ryder Hesjedal, the man himself, the new face of cycling. You were here last year, obviously you got a lot out of the race. It seemed to work for you. Uh, you set you up well for the year. Is that why you've come back here?
3: Yeah, for sure. Just simply to start the season in January, I said already a few times, it's perfect uh, to come down here hit... Hit the summer season uh, for me. Obviously, uh, coming from uh, from Hawaii, it works yeah, well. I'm already in that kind of climate, so just fits into the training perfectly. Really but also, just a great opportunity to get the season started as soon year, as possible. Yeah. Uh, certainly with uh, Trek Segafredo now, yeah. Yeah. new team, and just get get rolling. So um, I did it in 12. It worked well. I did it last year. It worked well. So uh, you know, you try and replicate that stuff as much as you can. Um, that's simply it.
0: Rider obviously you know everyone talks about how a change of teams can be can ref- freshen you up and uh, can freshen any athlete up can you explain a little bit about how you feel you've had one I guess one hit out in the uh, people's choice criterion um, you've got that race under your belt do you feel any more settled into that sort of black and white of the Trek suit
3: yeah, for sure. I mean, already we started uh, in December in Benidorm, the whole group together, and uh, yeah, just a sort of great group of guys, great team, uh, Trek's an amazing bike company, I mean, uh, that's for sure, and uh, obviously Sega Freda coming on board. Uh, just strengthens the team and shows uh, they're moving in a a good direction so just really uh, happy to be a part of that and and, yeah, just settled in uh, immediately so to already have got a race in. Uh, You know, we weren't with Jack when he won the national championship but uh, to have that win already down here and uh, last night Giacomo uh, did a really good sprint and really only got beat by the arguably the best criteria rider in the world i would say no so States, you know we're happy and, and we'll look to get the most out of the race in the next days the uh this year's course is a little bit different than last year we haven't got the paracomb
0: climb uh, where rowan dennis won last year but you've got the corkscrew back in uh, i guess you've trained on the corkscrew haven't you so you sort of ROFA with it
3: yeah first time i saw it out in training uh, i wasn't here at the race when they introduced it so um it's a tough tough climb for sure you're going to see uh the first deciding uh, part of the race and you know i think uh i think we have guys that can be there so uh, for me it's to be determined you know on my line of training and you know we'll see when the racing gets going and i think that's the the theme for most guys i mean it's hard to tell where everybody's at uh, this early in the year but um it's just about getting the most you can out of the race and, and i think we're well built to to get the most out of all the race not just one in particular stage
0: Obviously, Ryder, you've got your your bigger goals ahead of you with with the Giro and uh, and then Tour de France. I mean, do you feel that um, uh, if there was any opportunity in the two down under, it's just too early in the system to for you to and and maybe the course is not uh, decisive enough or challenging enough for you to be able to put your strengths into into best uh,
3: operation. Yeah. Well, I mean, for sure. I mean. There's going to be no, you know, six-hour mountain stage deep in a three-week situation here. That's for sure. But uh, you, you never know. You know, I'm definitely ahead of last year. It just, just it's all based on the season before, where he finished. I finished much later, uh, in 14, and uh, needed to take the break and start again. So the timing. Uh, quite a bit ahead of of, of that this year so I'm ahead of where I was at this point last year so we'll we'll see what that means uh, on the road in the race but yeah there's still the the eyes on on May and, and you know maybe a month or so before that coming into top shape so for sure there's guys in top condition here and you have to be realistic. You're listening to
0: Water Ride with Rupert Guinness and Aaron S. Lee, and you've just been listening to Ryder Hesedal, Canadian cycling legend who's got a lot ahead of him, judging by what uh, he told us in that interview during the Tour Down Under. Now, uh, we're getting towards that uh, part of the show. We're getting towards the end. We hope you enjoyed this uh, this episode. There's still so much more to come. It seems like we've been right into the season for so long now, but we're only still at the start. Aaron, um, Okay, a little. What are your movements? What are your aspirations and thoughts just for the next uh, sort of immediate future?
1: Well, the, the most immediate future is uh, it is literally about uh, five thirty p.m. here in New Orleans, so it is it is uh, time for uh, a vino, um, perhaps, or a ice cold beer. Uh, I'm not sure which, uh, but that's probably the the, the most immediate. Thing that I'm thinking about As far as movements Not sure looking at Langkawi possibly um, Not sure on that one yet uh, uh, I, was, I was thinking That was a sure deal But you just kind of Informed me before the show That, that, that maybe my Pricer question So I'll, I'll, I'll find that out uh, And then get back to you but, uh, no, I, I, look, I'm excited about this weekend, uh, obviously, the Cadell-Evans Great Ocean Road Race. That was a race that you and I both attended last year. We're obviously, uh, from what I am saying, you're not going this year. I'm, I'm obviously not uh, still here in the U.S., but it's a race that I'm, I'm keen to, to, to see grow. Um, it's going to be a little different this year because Cadell's not going to be racing. That was his, his, his last race as a professional last year to end his illustrious career um, this year. The race has had a lot of rain, as you mentioned earlier. I know in a press conference, uh, Cadell joked uh, yesterday that uh, he was, you know, he was most concerned about the road washing away. But he did ride the circuit and ride the course and said everything was a-okay and was expecting some some uh, some pretty good weather and obviously some great racing conditions. Mark Cavendish is going to be on hand. Uh, we mentioned Ryder Hesjedal earlier; he's going to be there with a, a bit of a different trek squad. The only one re- re- remaining besides rider from the TDU units is uh, Jack Bowbridge, who, of course, had an amazing um, uh, run there at the Australian National Road Race Championships to to just blow everyone away with a solo victory. But, uh, yeah, so I'm kind of looking forward to the Cadell Evans race. What about you?
0: Yeah, look, I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to be up in Sydney, obviously. I'm going to watch it on TV, so I'm going to enjoy the uh, corporate box, which will be my lounge room. Um, immediate, I'm just about to go into the Sydney Morning Herald office and uh, sign off on my nine years and three weeks there, um, just to hand in my pass, my laptop and my uh, iPhone, a bit like uh, like you see in the movies, the detective handing in his gun and his badge. Uh, But I'm not handing mine in for any bad reason. I've taken a voluntary redundancy to pursue new projects in the world of cycling and sport. And so hopefully, you know, I'm going to be more into cycling than what I have been uh, in recent years. Um, So I'm looking really forward to to, uh, the future. Uh, As for races, yeah, I mean, you never know. Aaron, our paths could cross at Langkawi if uh, all the stars are aligned. But if not, I'm sure they'll cross soon. Uh, And... I'm looking forward to really, the, you know, hope I'll get to the classics this year. I haven't been back for a few years. That's what I'd love to do, to go to Flanders and Roubaix again. Uh, and then I guess the, the pathway will be the Giro and the Tour and then see where I end up on the second half of the year. But there's a lot of racing to go before then. Uh, I've got to finish a book by the end of February um on the history of cycling which uh, uh you know that's a deadline it's six weeks away but uh, six weeks pass very quickly in the world of book writing
1: i've got to say you know chapeau for an amazing run uh at the sydney morning herald and fairfax would have you did an amazing job you were always uh, a, a great friend and a great colleague uh there i look forward to to seeing you maybe a little bit more um hopefully on the cycling side again and then obviously um know wishing you well for for all your your future endeavors there
0: bud thanks very much aaron it's uh it's been a pleasure to to work uh at fairfax it has been a great uh some great times there so uh certainly my uh, experience at fairfax will go into the memory bank under great memories and great times aaron it
1: has been the 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 longest departure i've ever seen for the record
0: (laughs) Enough of that. <laughs> I've got my farewell due tonight. So, uh, you know, I'm glad we're not recording this tomorrow. I'd probably have a horrible hangover. But uh, Aaron, it's been great, as always, talking with you on this show. I know we've uh, just got this show up and going soon. Hey, another thing I wouldn't mind, you know, perhaps next next week or the week after, we would love to go back and maybe talk about Bride O'Donnell's uh, our record. You mentioned that earlier. Uh, congratulations Bridie, a great ride there, um, we'd love to come back and perhaps sort of uh, uh, go through that in a bit more detail and also have a look at the uh, the World Tour, the Women's World Tour as well so there's a lot happening there um, so if you want to hear more about the World Tour and Bridie's uh, uh, experience, her World Hour record because unfortunately we only mentioned it tonight on this show and maybe we'll look also at the Women's World Tour that kicks off this year, uh, so there's a lot happening in the uh, Women's Peloton for sure. Rest assured. If you're wondering why we haven't spoken about it in depth yet, be assured that we will in one of our upcoming editions of Water Ride. Aaron, it's been great as always. One last word from you, just uh, to tell us uh, anything you feel like, within reason. Oh,
1: um, just always, always a pleasure, room Always a pleasure, indeed and uh, just out there, as we mentioned earlier in the, in the episode. Um, everyone take care of each other out there on the road and uh, remember a meter matters
0: superbly said aaron hope you enjoyed this episode of what a ride it's me rupert guinness and aaron s lee signing off once more stay tuned and as aaron said stay safe a meter matters and keep smiling it's a great life
6: me scream, she said The one that makes me laugh, she said